0: Joining us on the line from the Pile Group, Scotia Wealth Management, we say hello to Andrew Pile. Andrew, great to have you back on the line.
1: Great to be here, guys.
0: Andrew, today we're going to talk about something's kind of timely, I guess, is RRSPs or RRIFs, uh, and uh, how they deal as as we get older. What we should start be considering, what we should start looking at.
1: Exactly. So we've talked a lot, John, about the importance of saving for retirement. Putting money into an RSP, growing that RSP, um, and and that's a prescription that I would follow with people at least well into their fifties. But when we get into our sixties and seventies, if someone has been hugely successful in building that RSP, we start to get into a little bit more of a risk in terms of what would happen if a person were to dis- be deceased prematurely. Um, how is that RSP, or if they're over the age of seventy-one, how is that RIF? Treated from a tax point of view. And as you and I have touched on in, in previous discussions, John, uh, unfairly, in my opinion, the, uh, the Tax Act treats that as income in that person's year of death, um, which if it's a very big RSP or a big RIF at that point, uh, can amount to a massive amount of tax being paid uh, when that person passes.
0: Now, no matter what you've got, to whatever uh, registered retirement saving plan you've got going, by the time you hit over 71, you, you, have, to make, you have to do some action on it. So you've got to do something.
1: Exactly. So, in the year that you turn seventy-one, John, by the end of that year, you would have created a RIF account. The RSP assets would flow into that RIF account, uh, and then starting at age seventy-two, or the year that you are seventy-two, you will begin to take payments out of them with a minimum payment prescribed by uh, Revenue Canada in terms of how much money has to be taken out, and that percentage goes up over time. And I think for you know for a lot of Canadians, that's fine. You can follow that. Um, for the rest of your retirement years. Um, But we do see individuals, again, who have been very, very successful at building up their RSps, and now in their 70s and and even into their 80s, um, they might have RIF accounts that are over $500,000. And if something were to happen, now just to clarify, if if they're married, uh, you can roll those assets over. If someone dies, they can roll over to the surviving spouse. But this really becomes a risk on that last surviving spouse, John, in terms of what happens, How does this get taxed? And again, think of it this way, $500,000, if you're the last surviving spouse and you were to pass away prematurely, that basically hits the bottom line. You're going to get taxed on $500,000. In other words, you're going to pay more tax than probably the percentage of refunds that you received when you were putting money into the RSPs.
0: So it ends up not being uh, beneficial at the end of the day.
1: It it possibly cannot be. So this is why I think when we sit down with people in their 70s and even in their 60s, if if they have massive RSPs, you really have to start kind of looking forward to the future and saying, you know, are we dealing with a potential estate risk? How do we deal with that? One way to deal with that, some people will say, well, I'll just take an insurance policy out. Uh, The insurance will pay the big taxes on it. There's definitely nothing wrong with that strategy at all. Um, Or sometimes we'll sit down with the accountants and say, look, you know, maybe we should take more than what the government's telling us to take out each year to try to whittle that down. Um, And to that point, John, I mean, something we're seeing recently uh, as people get older is that if they had any bequests, any charitable bequests that they had in their will, for example, if I die, I want to give X amount of dollars to a charity, um, we'll say, well, why don't we bring that forward in time while you're alive, make those charitable donations and use those tax credits uh, to take out a little bit more from those riff accounts to whittle those balances down, so there are ways of dealing with it uh, to ensure that you 're not paying too much when you pass away
0: yeah it's interesting how you can actually uh, use those uh those nonprofit donations those charitable donations uh you know you're you're going to have to pay something back you might as well pay it direct direct it to something you really want it to go to
1: well that's a great point john and we and we sit down with people and say. You know, it's it's great to have these aspirations or these these charitable bequests, wishes, you know, in your will. This is what's going to happen when I pass away. But you know, think back. I mean, this is going to be really good if I'm alive and I can see those dollars at work helping a particular cause that I feel uh, great about. Um, a, that's personally gratifying to me. But B, there might actually be a positive tax implication from doing that mm. uh, to try to offset some of the damage down the road.
0: Uh, this is fantastic information. Uh, Andrew, if people want to find out more uh, about some of these, uh, these ideas, where should they go?
1: Well, John, they can visit our website at pilegroup.ca. We have a number of resources on that site uh, and a lot of discussion topics around this. Uh, and also our contact info is on that website if they want to reach out to us with questions.
0: Andrew, thanks for joining us here on Talk of the Town.
1: My pleasure, guys. You have a great week.